welcome to the Small Business Sessions podcast from Enterprise Nation and the Business Connected Training Program. We help businesses go digital, adopt new technology, and stay safe online with our partners Vodafone Business, Builder.ai, and JP Morgan. This season of the podcast features stories, tips, and inspiration from some of Britain's best entrepreneurs and digital experts. Head to enterprisenation.com forward slash business connected for more information. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Well, hello, everyone. My name's Dan Martin. I'm a freelance journalist and Enterprise Nation's news reporter. In this week's show, I'm joined by Rachel Waring. Rachel is a wedding stylist turned creative marketing consultant. She supports independent businesses to produce creative content and show off their best work. Rachel has a particular focus on how founders can make the most of Pinterest, and that's a key subject we discuss in the show. We also chat about how to stay creative, the secrets to successful content planning, and what AI means for content creation. Let's get started. Well, hi, Rachel. Big thanks for joining us on the show. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat. Brilliant. Before we get into your tips for how businesses can use digital marketing in an effective way, take me back to where it all began because you were a wedding stylist before this all happened. So you want to tell me a bit about that and how you ended up doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I actually trained in set design for theatre. So that was sort of my background. And from that, I went into wedding styling. So it's always been sort of like a styling creative background for me. And through wedding styling, I actually realized that as I was, you know, marketing my own small business, I really loved the content bit, (laughs) like creating content, the marketing. I also loved like the action of building a business, all the businessy stuff. I found that really, really fascinating. And I started noticing that the people around me who were also running their businesses, they weren't as keen on that bit. And they were always like, what, you enjoy creating content? What do you mean? And I sort of thought, oh, that's, that's a bit weird. I started noticing that actually I was enjoying that so much more than the actual making of the stationery. I was making stationery and products alongside doing wedding styling. And I started noticing that I really craved more time on the marketing side, which I don't think is usually the way around that it is. I think most people with small businesses who have creative small businesses often want more time making rather than creating content. So that was sort of the first thing that kind of highlighted, hmm, maybe uh, there could be more to explore here. And then the pandemic happened. And obviously, the wedding industry was really, really hit hard by that. So it was a little bit of a turning point for me because I was already, I have a podcast of my own called the Business Proposal Podcast. And that was my sort of outlet to chat about business stuff. And I was loving that. And I was on the side helping people with their Pinterest strategies, because Pinterest was this huge, huge part of growing my wedding business. And the pandemic really sort of was a crossroads for me because I was lucky to have something else to fall back on, I guess. I went full-time into consulting and helping other small businesses with their marketing. And I loved it so much that actually I didn't go back to doing weddings. And here I am. (laughs) I'm a fellow podcaster. That's what we like to hear. That's really really interesting. I think that's been the case for a lot of people. And the pandemic really changed people's directions and they actually maybe discovered something they had to do that they've ended up doing because they really like it and it's become a permanent thing. That's something for you as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, totally. I think sometimes, I think it was a big clarifier for lots of people. Like, I think if there can be any positives to come from a really awful situation, I think, you know, sometimes stuff like that really puts into perspective what's going on in your life and what you really want to do. And it was definitely that for me. So before we get on to, we're going to talk quite a bit about Pinterest, because I think, it, like you said, it is an amazing platform, but it's one that's not talked about in a way as much as the other ones. But before we do that, your business is all about inspiring creativity amongst business owners. So what would you say are the secrets to creativity and how do you help business owners find that creative spark? One of the things that I've really noticed in terms of making content for my own business and my business helping other businesses is that when you bring your creativity into it and, you know, have more fun in what you are putting out there, I think your audience pick up on it. So I think the more you can show your full creative self in your online presence, the better. And I think that part of doing that is working out what lights you up creatively in the first place and really taking time to prioritize that. And that's something I'm actually doing at the moment because I think sometimes we all go through little creative ruts every so often. I think there's seasons in business where you feel like you're doing a lot of creative output and not very much creative input. And I was feeling like I'd done loads of creative output, like launching things and sharing things and doing lots of doing work. And I felt like I really needed to put a little bit more in and fill up my own cup. So I've actually been reading The Artist's Way at the moment. I really recommend that book if anyone's feeling a bit creatively depleted. But I think knowing what fills up your own creativity cup, do that first before you start doing loads of output of creativity. That's a great answer. What fills your own creativity cup? As a writer, I know, you know, sometimes you have those moments of, you know, starting an article is often like the biggest thing is like, what's my first sentence, you know, and thinking about that is a big creative thing for me. You mentioned there about that. And I just mentioned one there around, like, if you are in a creative block, you know, you've got to do something, you know, you've got to do a post, you know, you've got to communicate something, but you just can't get over it. Like if you are stuck in one of those blocks, what is your advice to business owners? Yeah, it's a really, really tough one. And I think often when I am in that place, I feel really frozen and I put the action of coming out of a creative block really like on a pedestal, similar to what you were saying about the blank page thing. The blank page and like starting a new thing often feels so intimidating that we don't split it up into small enough chunks to actually get it done. So an example is if you need to do a new website, you would put something like do website on your to-do list. <laughs> and it feels like such a undertaking mm. that it makes things really difficult. And I think that when you're in a creative block, sometimes you'll put things on your to-do list like get back on Instagram or create new product. And actually we're not splitting things up into small enough things. And I think we need to embrace a feeling of chipping away at something rather than feeling like, oh, I've got to have a full day free to reconnect with my creativity. You don't have to have a full day free. You could just take five minutes in between your dentist appointment and something else. I don't know why dentist appointment came to me. But yeah, I think chipping away at stuff is a really great way to start instead of putting the action of it on a pedestal and thinking you need loads and loads of time and loads of resources to work through it. That's a very good point. I really like that. So on to Pinterest, you've mentioned that about how it's, you know, you, you see it as a very powerful platform. Like you said, it is, it is super powerful in the wedding industries, particularly in the wedding industry. But it does seem to be a platform that we don't hear as much about. Obviously, 
X as it now is, Instagram, TikTok, you know, gets sort of the big headlines. But in a way, Pinterest doesn't. Yet it is used by millions and millions of business owners. So why do you think it's such a powerful platform for small businesses? I'm really glad you brought that up about it not being as heard about as much, because I think that is where the power lies. And also that's where the limitations lie, or not necessarily the limitations, but that's the reason why it's not talked about as much is also its power. So what I mean is, Pinterest is one of those places where people go and they are a little bit more insular and they're focused on themselves more than they're focused on other people. So the reason why people go to Pinterest is to get inspired for their own life, not necessarily to catch up on what anyone else is doing. They're there to basically build the vision board of their future life. So it's not a super chatty platform. It's not a platform that has loads of things in place that keep you addicted to it. And that's actually something that Pinterest as a company are very, very intentional about. And it's one of the things I really love about them. They call themselves the platform for positivity and they purposely don't put these sort of clickbaity things in place. They don't put stuff that actively keeps you on the platform. They don't do a lot of that because they really, really care about the mental health of their users, which I think is amazing. But it also means that there's less stuff to hold you there. So because of that, and because people are sort of just doing their own thing on Pinterest, it's not talked about as much because everyone assumes that everyone else uses Pinterest in the way they use it. But some people use it for their next outfit decision. Some people use it to plan a wedding. Some people use it to plan their business. Like there's loads of business advice on there. And there's even loads of stuff about finance. Wellness is a huge, huge vertical on there at the moment. So yeah, it's really surprising how much stuff is on there. But because it's sort of all almost a little bit more introverted in the way that you go on there, it means that people don't talk about it as much. Does that make sense? No, it does. I think you're right. I think because, I mean, I must admit, I haven't used it for quite a while, but I think I should revisit it. But I think you're right because it doesn't have the commenting. And I suppose that also, like you say, it doesn't have the negativity then because obviously X has become in particular, depending on your opinion, but it can, around politics and some subjects, you know, it can get quite dark at times. But I guess Pinterest doesn't really have that because people aren't there to do that, are they? Yeah, totally. And I think I touched on why the power is there. And part of it is that because people are there to make their next buying decision and because they're in a positive frame of mind, that's actually a really great place to find them in if you want to sell them something because they're future focused and they're looking for inspiration. So they're often in like an action taking frame of mind rather than a chatting frame of mind. So if they see something they like, they might save it to their board for later or they might go straight through and take action in your business how you want them to. So they might buy your product or join your email list or something like that. So it's that future-focused, inspired, action-taking frame of mind. That's what makes it so powerful as a marketing platform. Sometimes we forget about those performance indicators because we're so focused on the dopamine hits of likes and comments and things like that. So it's a really interesting one. No, it is. It is really interesting. If a business owner is thinking about joining Pinterest or is on it already and wants to do more, what are your key tips for how business owners can make the most of it? I think the first thing is to really make sure you've got your head in the right place of why people are there, which I've kind of just covered, and also what it is as a platform. So if you approach Pinterest like it's another Instagram, that's not going to make the most of your time on the platform. 
You want to think about Pinterest like it is another Google or potentially YouTube. It is primarily a big search engine. They actually call it a visual discovery engine, but it's basically a search engine. So everything you do on Pinterest really should be about appealing to the search engine of Pinterest. So that's the first thing. Remembering that is key to your success. The second thing is knowing that most of the people that come across you are going to be new eyes. Not all of them, like your current audience can see you. But if you imagine using Pinterest as a user, which I know lots of people do, even if they're not on there for their business, if you think about how you use Pinterest as a user, it's actually quite rare that you're sort of catching up with the people that you already follow. Most of the time you're searching for something specific and it brings up a whole host of pins from people you've never, ever seen before. So that's what's happening when you're using Pinterest for marketing. It's a brilliant place for discovery. So again, if you treat it like Instagram, and when I see people start on Pinterest first, they'll be like, sale now on, or they'll put a testimonial up. And with no context, someone scrolling past that on Pinterest, it's not really going to make that much sense. So knowing those two things, search engine and new audience are going to be really, really important when you first get started. When I looked at it a while ago, there was a lot of what used to be known as infographics. I don't know if they're still called that. There was a lot of that kind of content, a graphic that educates. Is it still that kind of stuff? Is that kind of content still quite popular? It's definitely one of the things that's really popular. There's infographics. There's also lifestyle imagery does really, really well on Pinterest and also video as well. Just like what feels like all the other platforms, video is really, really shining on Pinterest at the moment. So a good tip is if you are already creating video content for Instagram or TikTok, for example, you can definitely reuse that content on Pinterest. There's ways to go about it. You don't want to be putting stuff with watermarks on there, just like on other platforms, you don't want to do that. But yeah, video is working really, really well. The key thread that runs through all the content that does well on Pinterest, and you kind of already mentioned it there, is informative or inspiring or value-driven, something that really gives people value. One of their key messages is create to inspire. That's one of their taglines. So if you can create to inspire, you're going to do really well on Pinterest. That's the thing. It's delivering value. Anything that has some sort of value to it is going to do well on Pinterest. Have you got any specific examples of some small business owners that you know of, that you work with, or you don't, that you think of doing particularly well on Pinterest? Yeah, definitely. I have a few clients and students who are absolutely smashing it. And it's so, so fun because everyone uses it in a slightly different way. And it's really a place where you can show up and be your full creative self. And often what works for one person will work differently for someone else. So it's really fun. One example is Laura Jane Illustrations, who is an illustrator, obviously. She has found that having her portfolio on Pinterest has really started bringing in brand collaborations and opportunities that she was maybe not getting in other places, which was really interesting. And she started learning what her audience actually want to see. And it took her a little while to find a rhythm with that. But now she's, you know, getting between 100,000 and 200,000 views a month on Pinterest, which is really great. Another example is the Fold Line, which is a sewing pattern company. They get millions and millions of views on Pinterest, and they share loads of really great events advice on obviously sewing patterns, but also like trend based things and sewing ideas. And again, like really value driven stuff. 
Confetti Sweethearts is someone in the wedding industry who does really, really well. She gets most of her website traffic through Pinterest in the same way that I did when I was a wedding stylist. So that's always really nice to see. Alice Sheridan as well is an artist and also trains other artists in lots of different things to do with the business of having an art business. And yeah, she gets absolutely loads of traffic from there as well. So yeah, there's loads of examples. Lovely. I guess it's like all the others, I suppose, that you can do paid ads and paid sponsored content as well. But I guess there's a lot you can do organically, it sounds, that you don't necessarily need to be spending money. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a whole side strategy, I would say, to paid ads or paid content on Pinterest. I don't really have that much experience with the paid side because organic has been so good for me in both businesses. I've actually not really needed to dive into that too much. It's probably something that once you know about it, you'll notice more. As you scroll through the Pinterest feed, a lot of the paid ad content kind of looks the same as the organic content. And that's because they really encourage that. They encourage it to be, I can't remember what the phrase they use is, but I think it's something like non-disruptive or something like that marketing. So Mm. you'll notice big, big companies like John Lewis or Joe Malone do a lot of paid ads on there. And often you scroll past them and you wouldn't even necessarily know their ads because they blend in with everything else. So yeah, it's really interesting. But organic is amazing on there. So I don't think you necessarily ever really need to use ads unless it's something you have the budget for and you want to play around with that's interesting you've touched on it a little bit but are are there any common mistakes that you see i guess one of the big things is just sticking tiktok content on there and assuming it's going to work but are there any other sort of common mistakes that you spot Yes, definitely treating it just like another social media platform is one of them and not giving people the context that they need when it's a new audience. The other biggest mistake I see people do is just not give it enough patience or time. So one of the things, again, this goes back to what I was saying about like the not having the dopamine hits or as many of them. Because Pinterest is a search engine, it takes a little while for your content to really take off on there. So when you start from scratch as a business, you could be pinning for three months and you might not necessarily see that many results yet. So that's the one thing that people get wrong mainly is that they just don't give it enough time. So they will put a pin out and they'll leave it for a couple of weeks and they'll be like, hang on absolutely nothing's happened to that pin. What's the point? And then sometimes if people put a little bit of patience in and they keep going for a few weeks or a few months, sometimes if they give up at that point, then they'll look back in like a year or so and they'll be shocked at how much traffic those pins are now getting them because they really do just take a little while to snowball. But if you keep going through that difficult bit and allow the snowball to start rolling, that's when like this long-term strategy starts taking shape and it really looks after the long-term of your business because the flip side of this patience thing is that pins are evergreen. So they can bring you traffic for years if you give it the patience. But yeah, not giving it the patience is the hardest, hardest thing because we're so used to wanting instant results. Yeah, that's true. That shows you how different it is. And I guess that comes back to it being like a search engine because that's obviously how a search engine works. You know, it takes a while for your stuff to be found and trend and and it like and also it exists forever. Whereas obviously a, a tweet or an X or whatever we call them these days, you know, it is gone in seconds and may never be seen again. So, you know, that's that's super interesting. Now a couple more questions left, but onto a sort of more general subject, like planning, you know, is key to making a success of content. 
again it's the patience thing finding time to plan and you know have a strategy so what's your advice for successful content planning for all platforms really The biggest thing for me has been finding how my brain works best with content planning, because I think it's really easy to see other people having these really complex and robust systems and feel like, oh, maybe I should have that. Or if I'm not doing it properly, if I don't have this really expensive tool or a spreadsheet or, you know, sometimes we force ourselves into these systems that don't actually work that well for us. So I think firstly, trying out lots of different systems. For me, I'm a big fan of Notion as a like a task planner and it sort of organizes my whole life so I also organize my content on there but I've tried loads of different things like I I really want to be a paper planner because I love paper in lots of other ways you know paper was always my specialty in my wedding business but I just can't work in that analog way I have to work digitally whereas some clients I work with really don't get on with a digital method and they have to have a big bit of paper so I think firstly it's working out what actually works best for you because the best planner isn't going to be the most fancy way of doing it it's going to be the one that you use so whether that's a sheet of paper the back of an envelope or you know something like notion or even a scheduler it's like using that one And then I think the same goes for finding the rhythm of it. Some people work really well batching a whole month of content and scheduling it all out. I've never been that person. I wish I was. It would make my life a lot easier, but I just can't do it. And the pressure of needing to do that sometimes means you don't do it at all. So if your rhythm is just making sure you always have the next post ready to go or the next three posts, embrace that and don't try and fit yourself into a different mold because it rarely works. (laughs) I think I'm with you on planning six months ahead. I'm not the best at that either. And sometimes, you know, being a bit more spontaneous is is useful, but having a bit of planning is good too. A big question, obviously, at the moment in this space, well, in the world, all sorts of jobs is AI and the impact it's going to have on on all our lives. What are your thoughts on AI and, you know, what it means both positively and negatively for content creation? Yeah, I have so many mixed feelings about it because I've experimented with it a lot and I'm both amazed and terrified in so many different ways. And I think I still haven't got to grips with my full feelings around it. Like it's such a complex topic. Where it works best and where it's the most exciting is where you can have a moment where AI is almost collaborating with a human brain rather than just doing all the work for you. And actually, quite topically, the podcast episode on my podcast that's coming out on Thursday is we were talking about AI and I actually read out a piece of email copy that I had ChatGPT write for me. Mm. And it was so off-brand that it was just really, really funny. So Mm. I read it all out. And I think sometimes it's just so obvious when you read a bit of copy and you can just tell it's been written by a robot. Whereas if you can use it for idea generation or you can use it for market research or keyword ideas and then or even just like you were saying earlier the blank page thing if you can just get off a blank page and then add the rest yourself I think there's a lot of power in it but I do think there's dangers in just copy and pasting and just using it as is I think I agree with you I went to an event because obviously I'm a journalist so you know in our world it's like are we going to be taken over by the robots our job's going to be destroyed and at that event they did the similar they had an article one article that was written entirely by ai one that was sort of informed by it and one that was completely human and we all guessed the fully robotic one so it isn't there yet and i think i'm with you but in terms of that thing about what i was saying about the the first line of an article then you know it does potentially that gets you going you know gets you inspired and then you can 
yeah, generate from that. So just finally, our, our last question is one that I'm asking everyone at the end of episodes in this series of the podcast. If you had one ultimate tip for business success, what would it be? Just starting before you're ready. I think really just going for it and not waiting for all of the conditions to be perfect that has served me so well and it's not about doing things in a haphazard way but I think it can be so easy in anything in business to stay still and not take imperfect action because you want all your ducks in a row or you want to be completely ready to do something or you want to know like 120% about a topic before you start doing it. I think so much learning comes through action. So the quicker you can just start taking small actions in the same way as splitting up your to-do list and taking a little bit at a time and chipping away at it. When I started doing that in both businesses, everything changed for me. I think that's the thing that really helps you actually get results is to just keep taking imperfect action. So I think that has to be it. Brilliant tip. I really like that. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. We covered so much there and I'm definitely going to return to Pinterest and check it out. So thank you so much for sharing your advice on the small business sessions. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me. Big thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Enterprise Nation's Small Business Sessions podcast, powered by Business Connected and our partners Vodafone Business, Builder.ai and JP Morgan. If you've been inspired during this episode, head to enterprisenation.com forward slash business connected to register for webinars and to access free business training. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next time.